Welcome and we're glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our series on the book of Mark. Today we're in chapter two where we're gonna look at the paralytic. And before the day is over, I would that you would read Mark two verses one through 12, along with the desire of ages on the chapter about the paralytic. Won't you pray with me? We thank you, Father, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your grace. We ask now that you would speak to us through this word in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that Jesus said to the man, take up your bed and walk and go back to your house. What an amazing passage that we find this morning that we will be looking at here in Mark chapter two. I hope that you have your Bibles nearby as we continue to read and study in this passage this morning. This is an amazing one on the paralytic, on his four friends, on their faith, on the position that Jesus takes and how life for everyone is amazing and turns out different than it was before. Today is your day in the presence of God. The word had gone out that Jesus was in town. The word was that he was in Peter's house and people love to be wherever Jesus was. They want to be in his presence because there was never a dull moment in the presence of Jesus. You see, he could restore a broken one and before you could bat your eye, he had rebuked a devilish onlooker. He could take a child's sack lunch and he could feed an entire crowd. He could write in the sand and grown men would weep and leave in shame. He could heal the sick who were miles away with just his word, never a dull moment. You see, when Jesus was around, he could take the daily news and before you thought about it, you were thinking about how you should treat your neighbor better. He could look at a farmer's field and then you begin to think about how you need to get your life in order. Never a dull moment when Jesus was around. You see, Jesus would quote the law and the prophets and he would reveal meanings you had never seen before. Never a dull moment. He could eradicate erroneous teachings and he could bring freedom to lives. You see, someone always went away differently then they came when they were in the presence of Jesus. Never a dull moment. And so here they are in the house. It's full of people and everyone is all around. All eyes are on Jesus. And just before he begins, something strange happens in the house. There's a rumbling on the roof. And all of a sudden, there are particles of dust that flow down like palm leaves. And they wave as they float to the floor. Everyone looks up and they see that there are someone who has torn a hole in the ceiling. They look and they see a paraplegic being lowered into the presence of Jesus. Now you know that there were people sitting in that room saying, look what they did to that man's roof. They tore a hole in his roof. How do they expect Peter to pay for this? They're not gonna put up any money. What is wrong with them tearing up somebody else's property? I can't believe the end, that they would do this to somebody's house. What were they trying to prove? Well, Jesus notices the damage to the property, but he's more concerned with the damage to the person. The Bible says, and when he saw their faith, 
This shows how the entire church should work together for the broken. The church should be the sanctuary, a city of refuge, a place for the wounded sinner and the broken saint. You see, when Jesus saw their faith, he acted. How has your faith helped those in society whom we pity and despise and despair? What about those who've been overlooked and forgotten and neglected? What about those whom are just down and out? How has your faith for them been impressed on Jesus' heart? And Jesus looked at the man and he said to him, your son, your sins be forgiven. And everyone in the room understood the significance of what had just taken place. You see, the common belief was that troubles were the result of sin. And now God was punishing you for your disobedience. The situation was associated with the sin. And, the, and in fact, they thought that one's condition was directly proportional to the degree of their sin. The greater the sin, the greater the sickness. The greater the sin, the stronger the situation. So you understand now the question of who sinned when you read the story in John chapter nine about the man born blind. You see, this idea of sickness weighed heavily on the heart of this young man and Jesus would always meet people where they were. Jesus met them where they were. This is why everyone wants to be around Jesus because Jesus dealt with people on the level that they were on. Jesus looked at them for who they were and not for what was around them. And because of this, Jesus says to them, I take your faith, whatever your faith is, whatever your belief is, Jesus does not frown on superstitious beliefs. Rather, he rewards their belief, even if they have a strange behavior. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. The common belief was that if you touch the garment of a holy person, that you would be healed. You see, so she didn't need to see Jesus. She didn't need to be seen by Jesus. She didn't need to be known in the crowd. She just needed to touch. Uh, she did it and Jesus rewarded her faith. Sometimes in the church of the living God, we need to allow people to believe the way that they believe and have faith that they have and watch their faith be rewarded and strengthened before we correct them. So now you understand why in the first century church, when they would tell the apostles that somebody over here was sick and you need to leave here and go over there and take care of them, you now understand why Paul would take out his handkerchief and give it to him because the Bible says that Jesus did wonderful miracles through Paul so that every, even the handkerchief and the aprons would touch and heal the sick. Mm. Ellen White writes this. She says, the palsied man was entirely helpless and he was hopeless. He had given up on every prospect. He had sunken into despair, yet it was physical restoration. He desired more than he, he wanted. I'm sorry. He wanted relief of his sin more than he wanted physical restoration. Mm. 
You see, his friends had told him that Jesus had made the deaf to speak, the dumb to hear. He had cast out demons. He had fed the hungry. He had caused the flowing fountains of blood to stop. And yes, he had even made a lame man to walk. They encouraged him to believe so much so that he felt, as Ellen White writes, if he could just see Jesus and receive the assurance of forgiveness and peace with heaven, he would be content to live or die according to God's will. The cry of the dying man was, oh, that I might come into his presence. We find that in Desire of Ages, page 267. Notice that Jesus did not heal the man, he forgave the man. This man's pitiful position had left him physically helpless and spiritually hopeless. And here Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is wonderful like that. He sees the desire and he meets the need. The desire was to walk, the need was to be forgiven. Now, these words came to, the, to his ears and they were like wonderful words. The words, your sins are forgiven lifted his burden, relieved his pain, and brought him into the presence of God. His physical pain is gone. His whole being is transformed. The helpless paralytic is healed. The guilty sinner is pardoned. Here we find that this man was physically helpless and spiritually hopeless until he came into the presence of Jesus. You see, when we come to the presence of Jesus with our illness, we need to make sure we have our priorities straight. Eternal salvation, then physical restoration. Because if we have the assurance of eternal salvation, then if we are never physically healed, it'll be all right. It'll be all right because one day this mortal shall put on immortality. All right because the corruptible shall put on incorruption. It'll be all right because sin and sickness and disease won't be anymore. It'll be all right because we won't have to compromise these eternal immune systems. It'll be all right because there'll be no more sickness, no more death, no more dying. For the former things will be passed away. It'll be all right because I can exchange my sickness for salvation. It'll be all right because you can exchange your confusion for you can exchange your confusion for confidence. It'll be all right because there'll be trials will become your triumphs. It'll be all right because you'll go from a victim to a victor. You can exchange your gloom for gladness, your questions for answers. It'll be all right because I'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be all right because when I see Jesus, Amen. All my sins will be forgiven. All the things will be healed. I submit to you this morning that if there had been a medical cure, the young man still would have been paralyzed because for him, it did. It was never a physical ailment. It was always a spiritual defect. So here we have Jesus. Jesus forgives sins. And this is where the trouble began. I'm sure you've been sitting in a room and there have been people who've been talking about you and they've been whispering and murmuring about you as if you weren't in the room, as if you didn't hear it, as if you didn't know it. And, and perhaps you said, you know, I can hear you. Or, or you may have said, you know, I'm sitting right here. You may have gotten fed up and said to them, if you got something to say, stand up and say it to my face. Well, Jesus knows that they're thinking in their heart. And he answers them by speaking to the man. He looked at the man and told him so that you may know I have the power to forgive sin. Take your bed 
get up and go home. The Bible says, look there, look there, look at Mark chapter two, look at Mark chapter two. And if I get it wrong, you correct me in the chat. Correct me in the chat. Jesus says, take up your bed and a little bit time later, he thought about it. Take up your bed and walk. And he sat there and thought, maybe this is not for real. Take up your bed and walk. And he touched his limbs to see if he had feeling. Oh, I wish I had somebody talking to me in the chat this morning. Take up your bed and walk. And he lifted up his arms and to see if he could have some movement. And he eased up on his legs to see if they would support his weight. Take up your bed. And he sat there for a minute and said, I wonder if this is real. No, no. The Bible says immediately in nothing flat. Without hesitation, no doubt or wavering, without delay. How many times have you been the paralytic in need, down and out, unable to furnish the want and fulfill the need? How many times have you been out of resources and didn't know what to do and alone and had no help and you hesitated? Ah, you see, you think that this man waited a minute? No, no. Now, I know. I know. I know. You say it's sincere. I know it's out of pure generosity, but but I can't accept that. I can't accept it. it, it it's too much. I, I know you perhaps have said, well, you know, not now, but but maybe a little bit later. If you learn nothing else, then learn this immediately without hesitation, without delay, without wavering. Mm. Now, 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 this man, this man, this man, this man, this man have been through some things. And perhaps you too have been through some things. I had a situation I had been trying to work out. I had gone through all the scenarios. I had gone through all the options. I had kind of figured out when it might work out. I just wasn't sure it still was coming up short. And a friend of mine said, well, how's it going? And I said, oh, you know, optimistically, everything's gonna work out all right. I think I'm gonna make the deadline. I'm gonna finish this project. And that friend left and came back with an envelope and handed it to me. And you know what I said? Oh, no, 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 I can't take that. I'm good. I'm good. It's going to be all right. It's, it's going to all work out. I, I got it under control. And they said to me, your project is finished. Wouldn't you think it was crazy if Jesus had said to the man, get up and walk. And the man said, oh, never mind. I'm comfortable right here. I think I'm just going to stay right here. I'm just going to lie here a little bit longer. I think I'm going to work it out. You would say he was crazy. But the man got up from his bed of benevolence. He got up from his cushion of confinement. He got up from what he, his misfortune, and then he rolled it up. He rolled up all the previous pain. He rolled up the inactivity. He rolled up the broken promises. He rolled up the past mistakes. He rolled it up and now he is on his way home. That's what it's all about. From gloom to gladness, from sadness to shouting, from victim to victor. So this week I challenge you, whether you are the one on the mat or you are the one who has the power to lift someone up, do it immediately in nothing flat, without hesitation, without doubt, without wavering, without delay. Do it today. Won't you pray with me as I share with you the words of Frederick Douglass in benediction? God, speed the year of Jubilee the wide world o'er. God, speed the day when human blood will cease to flow. God, speed the hour when all on earth 
shall stand upright by equal birth. In spite of peril or of course, let us never from our posts be driven, soul which is heaven, amen and amen.